ಸಚ್ಕೋ ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಟು ಅನದರ್ ಎಪಿಸೋಡ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಉರು ಲ್ಯಾಬ್ಸ್ ಪಾಡ್ಕಾಸ್ಟ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಬೆಂಗಳೂರು ಎವರ್ ಕಂಪ್ಲೈನ್ ಹೌ ಬ್ಯಾಡ್ ಅವರ್ ಸಿಟೀಸ್ ಆರ್ ಹೌ ಬ್ಯಾಡ್ ಯುವರ್ ಕಮ್ಯೂನಿಟೀಸ್ ಯು ವಿಲ್ ಗೆಟ್ ಟು ಹಿಯರ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಹೂ ಆರ್ ವರ್ಕಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಸಾಲ್ವ್ ದೀಸ್ ಪ್ರಾಬ್ಲಮ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ದೇರ್ ಓನ್ ವೇ ದಿಸ್ ಈಸ್ ಯುವರ್ ವೀಕ್ಲಿ ಸೋಪ್ ಬಾಕ್ಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ಅರ್ಬನ್ ಸಸ್ಟೈನಬಿಲಿಟಿ ಐ ಆಮ್ ಸತ್ಯಾಶಂಕರನ್ ಐ ಆಮ್ ಜಾಯಿನ್ ಟುಡೇ ಬೈ ಶ್ರೀಕಾಂತ್ ವಿಶ್ವನಾಥನ್ ಚೀಫ್ ಎಕ್ಸಿಕ್ಯೂಟಿವ್ ಆಫೀಸರ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಜನಾಗ್ರಹ ಸೆಂಟರ್ ಫಾರ್ ಸಿಟಿಜನ್ಶಿಪ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಡೆಮೋಕ್ರಸಿ ಹೂಸ್ ಮಿಷನ್ ಇಸ್ ಟು ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ದ ಕ್ವಾಲಿಟಿ ಆಫ್ ಯುವರ್ ಲೈಫ್ ಬೈ ವರ್ಕಿಂಗ್ ವಿತ್ ಬೋತ್ ದ ಸಿಟಿಸನ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದ ಗವರ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಐ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ನೋನ್ ದೆಮ್ ವರ್ಕಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಸಿಟಿ ಫಾರ್ ಆಲ್ಮೋಸ್ಟ್ ಟ್ವೆಂಟಿ ಇಯರ್ಸ್ ನಾವ್ ಹಿಸ್ ಫೋಕಸ್ ಏರಿಯಾ ಇನ್ ದಿ ಅರ್ಬನ್ ಸೆಕ್ಟರ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಬೀನ್ ಸಿಟಿ ಸಿಸ್ಟಮ್ಸ್ ರಿಫಾರ್ಮ್ಸ್ ಪ್ಯಾನಿಂಗ್ ಜನಗ್ರಾಸ್ ಫ್ಲಾಗ್ಶಿಪ್ ರಿಪೋರ್ಟ್ ದಿ ಆ್ಯನ್ಯುಯಲ್ ಸರ್ವೆ ಆಫ್ ಇಂಡಿಯಾಸ್ ಸಿಟಿ ಸಿಸ್ಟಮ್ಸ್ ಮೇ ವಿ ಹಿಲ್ ಟೆಲ್ ಅಸ್ ಮೋರ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಹ್ಯೂಜ್ ಆಕ್ರೋನಿಮ್ ಕಾಲ್ಡ್ ಎಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಮುನಿಸಿಪಲ್ ಫೈನಾನ್ಸ್ ರಿಫಾರ್ಮ್ಸ್ ಶ್ರೀಕಾಂತ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಬೀನ್ ಅನ್ ಅಸೋಸಿಯೇಟ್ ಮೆಂಬರ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಇನ್ಸ್ಟಿಟ್ಯೂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಚಾರ್ಟರ್ಡ್ ಅಕೌಂಟೆಂಟ್ಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ಇಂಡಿಯಾ ಫಾರ್ ಫೋರ್ಟೀನ್ ಇಯರ್ಸ್ ಸೊ ವಿ ನೋ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಗುಡ್ ಫೈನಾನ್ಸ್ ಗೈ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಐ ನೋ ಜನಗ್ರಾ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಬೀನ್ ಡೂಯಿಂಗ್ ಅ ಲಾಟ್ ಆಫ್ ವರ್ಕ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಸಿಟಿ ಆನ್ ದಿ ಇನ್ಫ್ರಾಸ್ಟ್ರಕ್ಚರ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ದ ಟೆಂಡರ್ ಶ್ಯೂರ್ ರೋಡ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ಯು ಸಿ ಟು ದಿ ಪ್ರಾಪರ್ಟಿ ಟ್ಯಾಕ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ಯು ಪೇ ದೇ ಆರ್ ಬೀನ್ ಬಿಹೈಂಡ್ ಅ ಲಾಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ರಿಫಾರ್ಮ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ಯು ಸಿ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಸಿಟಿ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಮೆನಿ ಅದರ್ಸ್ ಅಕ್ರಾಸ್ ದ ಕಂಟ್ರಿ ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಟು ದ ಶೋ ಶ್ರೀಕಾಂತ್ ಐ ಜಸ್ಟ್ ವಾಂಟ್ ಡಿಗಿನ್ ವಿತ್ ದಿಸ್ ಬಿಗ್ ಕ್ವೆಶನ್ ಐ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಐ ಬೀನ್ ಹಿಯರಿಂಗ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಸೇ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ನೋ ಮನಿ ಫಾರ್ ದಿಸ್ ಆರ್ ವಿ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಇನ್ ಆಫ್ ಮನಿ ಫಾರ್ ದಟ್ ವೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ಆಲ್ ದ ಮನಿ ಇನ್ ಅವರ್ ಸಿಟಿ ಇಸ್ ಗೋಯಿಂಗ್ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಟ್ರೂ ವೆನ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಸೇ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಇನಫ್ ಮನಿ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಆಕ್ಚುಲಿ ಟ್ರೂ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಟ್ರೂ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಕಂಟ್ರಿ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಟ್ರೂ ಫಾರ್ ಅವರ್ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ಸ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಟ್ರೂ ಫಾರ್ ಅವರ್ ಸಿಟೀಸ್ ನೋಬಡಿ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಡಿನೈ ದಟ್ ದ ಫಿಫ್ಟೀನ್ ಫೈನಾನ್ಸ್ ಕಮಿಷನ್ ಹಸ್ ಯೆಟ್ ಅಗೇನ್ ಎಂಫಸೈಸ್ ಇನ್ ದೇರ್ ರಿಪೋರ್ಟ್ ಇನ್ ದೇರ್ ಫೈನಲ್ ರಿಪೋರ್ಟ್ ದಟ್ ಇಂಡಿಯಾ ಡಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಹವ್ ಸಫಿಶಿಯಂಟ್ ಡೆವಲಪ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಕ್ಯಾಪಿಟಲ್ ವಿಚ್ ಎಸೆನ್ಶಿಯಲಿ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಇಫ್ ಇಂಡಿಯಾ ಎಸ್ ಅ ಕಂಟ್ರಿ ವರ್ ಟು ಆಸ್ಪೈರ್ ಟು ಮೀಟ್ ಬೇಸಿಕ್ ಲೆವೆಲ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಹ್ಯೂಮನ್ ಡೆವಲಪ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಔಟ್ಕಮ್ಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ಆಲ್ ಅವರ್ ಸಿಟಿಸನ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವಿ ಆಸ್ಕ್ ಅವರ್ ಸೆಲ್ಸ್ ಡು ವಿ ಹವ್ ಇನಫ್ ಮನಿ ಫಾರ್ ದಟ್ ದಿ ಆನ್ಸರ್ ಇಸ್ ವಿ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಹವ್ ಇನಫ್ ಮನಿ ಫಾರ್ ದಟ್ ಸೊ ಎಂಪಿರಿಕಲಿ ಸ್ಪೀಕಿಂಗ್ ದಟ್ಸ್ ಆಕ್ಚುಲಿ ಟ್ರೂ ದಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಫ್ಯಾಕ್ಟ್ ಬಟ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಈಕ್ವಲಿ ಟ್ರೂ ದಟ್ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ನೋ ಅಶೋರೆನ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ದ ಮನಿ ದಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಆಲ್ರೆಡಿ ಅವೈಲೇಬಲ್ ಇಸ್ ಬೀಂಗ್ ಸ್ಪೆಂಟ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಬೆಸ್ಟ್ ಪಾಸಿಬಲ್ ವೇ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ಒಪೇಸಿಟಿ ಅರೌಂಡ್ ಹೌ ದಟ್ ಮನಿ ಇಸ್ ಬೀಂಗ್ ಸ್ಪೆಂಟ್ ಸೊ ಲೆಟ್ಸ್ ಬಿ ಕ್ಲಿಯರ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಬೋತ್ ಬೋತ್ ದಿ ಆಸ್ಪೆಕ್ಟ್ ಸೊ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಪ್ರಾಬ್ಲಮ್ ವಿತ್ ದ ಫ್ಯಾಕ್ಟ್ ದಟ್ ವಿ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಹವ್ ಆಡಿಕ್ವೇಟ್ ಫೈನಾನ್ಸಸ್ ಬಟ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಈಕ್ವಲಿ ಟ್ರೂ ದಟ್ ದೇರ್ಸ್ ವೆರಿ ವೀಕ್ ಅಕೌಂಟಬಿಲಿಟಿ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಫೈನಾನ್ಸಸ್ ದೇರ್ ಆರ್ ಆಲ್ರೆಡಿ ದೇರ್ ಸೊ ಇನ್ ದ ಕೇಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಕೇಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಬೆಂಗಳೂರು ಫ್ರಾಂಕ್ಲಿ ಅ ಲಾಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಮನಿ ಗೋಸ್ ಟುವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಪೇಯಿಂಗ್ ಸ್ಯಾಲರೀಸ್ ಟುವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಆಪರೇಷನಲ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೆನ್ಸಸ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಬಿ ಬಿ ಎಂ ಪಿ ಅಂಡ್ ಸೊ ಆನ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ಅ ಲಾಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಮನಿ ದಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಬೀಂಗ್ ಸ್ಪೆಂಟ್ ಆನ್ ಇನ್ಫ್ರಾಸ್ಟ್ರಕ್ಚರ್ ವರ್ಕ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಸಿಟಿ ಫ್ರಾಂಕ್ಲಿ do not come from the bbmp themselves they are back to back funded by the state government so if you take
but what do you see is the gap between their earnings and how much you're saying almost all of the monies that uh, infrastructure needs is not even being earned by them it's just being given granted by the state government through all of the schemes how much do you think is this shortfall is there any hope for them to earn money and build like they say we are paying this tax and other tax and you say the bbmp needs to give us better infrastructure but going by what you're saying they aren't in building any infrastructure with the money you pay as tax they are barely able to even survive with the money we pay as tax tell us a little bit about how you are thinking about uh, what bbmp and by extension city corporations can do with their literally try to earn money uh, from whatever else is there on the ground satya as you are aware our uh, our municipal corporations municipalities and nagar panchayats including bangalore are fa- are under the thumb of their state governments state governments pretty much control the destinies of these municipal corporations municipalities and nagar panchayats so frankly if you ask me do they have a lot of elbow room to to to, to flex themselves and raise revenues on the strength of their own balance sheets their own powers and functions uh, as per their respective state municipal acts the answer is no they are the, the fact that the state municipal act is a state municipal act and not a city charter or a city act means that only the state government or the state assembly can give them the required powers to raise more revenues so i'd say if you if we are expecting a transformation if we are expecting self sufficiency over the medium to long term in the bbmp and so also for all our other municipalities in india this will not happen unless we reimagine the architecture of finances for our cities which essentially means we have to think about one one of two things one is how do you rearchitect fiscal federalism in india to simplify how do you rearchitect the basis on which cities receive grants from the union and from their state uh, governments now currently what are these grants there's a union finance commission which comes out of the formula which comes out of the amount that it recommends be paid out to municipalities as some of them tied some of them untied over a five year period so it's a finance commission award there are also state finance commissions which are largely dysfunctional then there are discretionary grants from the state governments and so on. so this architecture has to be reimagined where they get a larger share of these grants for example either at the uh, either the union finance commission or uh, uh, or state governments or state finance commissions could think about giving back a larger share of gst in a targeted manner to cities now that the gst regime is somewhat settling down and maharashtra has done this mumbai does get a share because mumbai had a legacy of getting optroy uh, and local bodies uh, taxes which were which were based on the economic growth of the city and therefore a more point so there are ways there are ways to do that in that manner which is thinking about a different formula based on which cities receive money the second is giving more powers to the city to 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 collect uh more number of taxes to reset the base on which taxes collected or to assign certain taxes and revenues to the city for example when new buildings are constructed you pay stamp duties and registration charges uh which goes to the state government but the obligation the expenditure obligations of that kind of growth will come on the bbmp because as and when new developments happen in the city it is a bbmp that builds roads it is a bbmp that has to provide for street lights it is a bbmp that has to provide for uh, solid waste management collection etc so those expenditure obligations fall on the bbmp but they don't get a fair share of these assigned revenues of, uh, sorry of these revenues uh, they should actually be assigned to the bbmp a fair share of stamp duties and registration charges similarly motor vehicle registration charges a lot of the wear and tear of on the city roads happen because of motor vehicles but motor vehicle registration charges go completely to the state government and a fair share of motor vehicle registration charges do not come back to the bbmp the bbmp's ability to levy parking charges on paper may exist bombay for example does a much better job of levying parking charges right which is important as a public policy tool to disincentivize uh, disincentivize private vehicle use but it's also important for revenue collections as far as the bbmp is concerned uh, i don't believe today we don't even have an elected council even if the elected council were to exist it is virtually impossible for the bbmp to think of a radically different parking charge policy without the permission of the state government so i'd say two broad ways fiscal decentralization uh, revenue optimization i'd say these are the two ways in which this can happen uh, do we have line of sight over that currently the answer is no we don't have line of sight uh, as far as what we can see today the bbmp will continue to be dependent significantly on state government 
and next on handouts from central sector schemes and finance commission looks like the budget that they make is mostly just how i'm going to consume grants rather than how i'm going to raise revenue so it's always a farce that they try to say i will collect more property tax they are not thinking differently does the structure need to change so i was speaking with ravi about the bangalore governance bill and the other things that are coming up i don't know if that those kind of reforms hold any promise because like you say unless the state government makes up its minds the council itself is quite weak in what it can achieve and if they are strengthened um, maybe they can think of all these and like you said there are more things that the state government can do and a lot of the services are not even provisioned by bbmp right i mean you have so many parastatals provisioning everything under the sun uh, even the waste is now a separate corporation uh, to get away from the clutches of uh, inefficiencies they have created so many corporations that the bbmp itself is a shell <clears throat> where do you start with this financing thing uh, uh, do you think it's okay for them to just be a shell for the state government's funneling just like you said a contractor for the state government is that how we should envision a city government because there is if there is no accountability we aren't going to get anything better right so let me uh, let me unpack this question in two three different ways there's a there's a lot in what you said uh, satya i'll cover them one by one on the first question the budget in you know in a manner hmm. of speaking the bbmp's budget is uh, is problematic not just because uh, about 50% of its uh, funding comes from the union and state government but also because of the variance between budgets and actuals the bbmp's budgets are aspirational more than being realistic uh, you know the, the variance across civic agencies in bangalore if i also take into account bda and bwssp is of the order of 46% which means the quality of the budget is pretty poor one doesn't know uh, which of what they promise which actually gets raised as money and spent and which won't so the budget is hugely problematic as a statement second credit where it is due the bbmp's property tax collections have registered a fairly brisk growth so they have raised in the last 3 to 5 years i think they've done i don't want to say they've done very well but i've son but i'd say that they've done relatively better than they have done in the past so they have started ramping up their property tax collections uh, but i'd say not very imaginative it's it's uh, you know basically by doing more of the same rather than by trying to do different things so it doesn't involve a fundamental rearchitecture of property tax systems or anything but i think a lot of the focus has been on has been on assessment and collections which is which is somewhat administratively easier to do essentially trying to map properties that have so far not been paid and also figuring out whether residential properties have converted themselves to commercial properties have they built on top of you know uh, uh, have they built an additional floor making them liable to pay more property taxes and so on so not not a great deal of imagination but credit where it is due they have increased property tax collections in the last uh, few years having having said this i would i would say the primary responsibility for reimagining and rearchitecting the financial system in bangalore is squarely on the state i am not letting the bbmp off the hook but the fact of the matter is suppose you talk about realistic budgeting we actually don't know which of these the bbmp has independent powers over and which of them they don't for example the current you know the, the very unfortunate situation that we are in currently where it's going to be the third full year when bbmp does not have elected council is not the bbmp's own fault it is the state government's so uh, so i'd say a large share of responsibility for bangalore's finances should squarely rest with the state government and not with the bbmp itself of course there is some tinkering that the bbmp administration can do and so on but frankly the tail can't back the dog in the current uh, in the current scheme of things the Uh, so, so where do we begin uh, i don't think we can take an ideological uh, point of view and say that the city has to be self sufficient uh, overnight it's going to take a long period of time the fact of the matter is no city in india has achieved that degree of financial independence some cities have done relatively better uh, because of peculiar circumstances they are in and the peculiar nature of their demographics for example the pimpri chinchwad municipal corporation which is just outside of pune in the in the more industrial business commercial area of has managed to do well in terms of finances uh, has a, a disproportionately large budget and tax collections and so on but that is more to do with the the nature of demography there it's a much smaller municipality than uh, than bangalore or even pune for that matter but if you set aside those exceptions there is no city in india including mumbai which has achieved this level of financial uh, independence mumbai is you know slightly better than uh, than bangalore but nothing to write home about 
So uh, I'd say there are two, three things that we can do in the uh, in the near term, which is slightly more realistic. One is we should identify low-hanging fruits, which the administration should be held accountable for. There's no reason why tax collection efficiency in Bangalore in the era of uh, fairly liberalized and accurate geospatial mapping should be anything less than 90%. And even if some of them manage to escape the tax net, you can catch them within a three to five year period. And if you integrate databases between the stamp duties and registration department, between the power department, between the water supply department and the municipality, there is no reason why you can't uh, achieve much better tax collection efficiencies. They are doing what they can. But today, the problem uh, with the BBMP's incremental efforts on property taxes, you can't hold them accountable. You don't know what the denominator is. So how do you hold them accountable? If somebody comes and says, I've now raised my property tax collection by 30% over last year or I have raised another 500 crores of incremental property tax collections. How do I know whether it is good or not? I need a yardstick against which I can measure. And that yardstick today doesn't exist. The property tax potential for Bangalore is not transparently published. And this is not rocket science. We should be able to estimate the property tax potential of Bangalore to a fair degree of accuracy. And few years ago, uh, I do remember that the BBMP had done very good work, I think relying on ISRO's maps uh, uh, I think they put together a system called JEPTIS, if I'm, uh, if I'm remembering right. I, I remember seeing a presentation of JEPTIS. It was quite impressive. But I think institutional continuity issues uh, crept in and subsequent officers were not aware of this kind of work that was done and they reinvent the wheel and so on. So, so one is we should arrive at a baseline and hold the administration responsible for low-hanging fruits like assessments and corrections. They are doing some good work in the past few years, but that is not good enough. We need a baseline to which you can hold them accountable so that we are able to judge as citizens whether they are doing a good job or not. That's one. Second is, I think we need to have better incentive mechanisms, frankly. Uh, uh, I know for a fact, for example, that there are places where roughly in the heart of the city, where you could have an apartment costing a crore of rupees, where you pay property tax of, say, only about 6,000 rupees a year. Right. So you have to relook at whether there is an equity problem in the manner in which property tax is being levied. So if the and we know that if you raise this, say, even by 30%, uh, I'm just saying this as a hypothetical example, uh, assume the property tax for this property goes up from 6,000 to 8,000 rupees, that is not going to disincentivize the real estate market in the city. Uh, the extent of liability that stamp duties and registration costs is a lot higher than property. Right? So people may look at stamp duties and registration charge as a somewhat important factor in their investment decision. But unlikely that a 2000 rupee change, which is significant for the BBMP, but not so much for the buyer, is going to impact the real estate markets. So there, I, I feel there is some upside that is available to raise property taxes at some end, at, at the premium end of the market. Right, And, and I'm saying this, for example, properties that co cost more than a crore of uh, rupees. Similarly, Another way to incentivize this is to publish the defaulter list in a more targeted manner. Large properties that are that, that owe the BBM, whether they are residential or they are commercial, but particularly commercial, instead of only doing one-off exercises, like going and drumming outside uh, outside a mall, etc., if you have a slightly more systematic and effective way of doing this by publishing the defaulter list and uh, and you know, going after them, working with other civic agencies to ensure that there's some that you make life difficult for them, right? Within the bounds of law, within the bound, within the bounds of law. If you're able to ensure that they pay up, uh, I think that can be done far better than what they're doing right now. Today, for example, you and I don't even know who the top hundred defaulters of the BBMP are. Why can't this be published every quarter? Why can't this be? And when I say publish, we have to bear in mind that they can't be buried deep in some uh, anonymous link within the BVMP's website, right? They have to be easily consumable by people like you and I. So they put it out on social media, they put it out in open data format and so on. So that's that's the second one. The third, and the reason I'm saying this is a related incentive could be that for wards or, or for zones uh, that are doing well in terms of growth in property tax collections, I think it is useful to think of an incentive mechanism where incremental property tax collections, a certain percentage of that is given back to them for works that can be determined, say, by citizens themselves. So it helps citizens monitor the property tax collections of their own ward, in a manner of speaking. We have to work out the details. I'm just throwing up an idea. I remember 
uh, reading about a campaign that Janakraha themselves had done uh, even before my time called Ward Recipe, Revenue Enhancement Through Citizen Participation. Right. So I think we have to think about incentive mechanisms to improve this integration of databases between the SAM duties and registration department, which have done a somewhat better job than the, you know, uh, of mapping properties. And every time a property gets registered, you should make sure that there's an alert that comes to the BBA. Similarly, we know that BESCOM has done a good job of metering and collections. Now, it, it's not a one-to-one -one correlation because a single property with a single property tax uh, ID may actually have multiple uh, electricity meters. But there are ways to do data analytics and big data analysis, etc., and, and, and get to the bottom of this. So there are a few things which are in the realm of administrative, uh, administrative actions where you can hold them uh, accountable. The, uh, the, 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 the second thing I would say is thinking about fiscal decentralization more seriously. I really think that Indian cities pending fairly major overhaul in, in decentralization itself, which, which is an agenda that is not gathering steam. Uh, as folks working in the area of urban decentralization, we can tell you with reasonable conviction that we are seeing the winds blow in the opposite direction. Even in states, irrespective of political parties in various states, the impulse for decentralization is actually weakening and not strengthening. Given this, it's important for us to think about fiscal decentralization that is not dependent only on political decentralization, which is think about share of GST, think about giving these cities predictable fiscal transfers in quantum and in timing. Quantum is important, but timing is equally important. I remember sitting in the BBMP offices sometimes being witness to activities which suggest that the BBMP struggles to get money out of the government, state government, to even pay salaries of the subsequent two months, etc. So it's not just about the budget size. It's about whether you have cash in the bank. It's one thing for the government of Karnataka to say, I'm giving the BBMP 6,000 crores of money, but the BBMP should be able to predict each month how much money am I receiving from the government of Karnataka and do I receive it on time? So predictable fiscal transfers in terms of quantum and timing through some tweaks, both uh, at the Union Finance Commission level and at the State Finance Commission level, even if the State Finance Commission is not being rejuvenated in the way it needs to be, then the state government should do it administratively. So that's the second piece that I want to say. In the least, I would think that mm. a city of the size and economy of Bangalore does deserve a proportion of its economic growth to be reinvested in the city. That means a share of GST should come back to, be, uh, to the BBMP and to even other civic agencies. So that could be a great beginning for us to, uh, for us to begin. There are a few other smaller revenue streams I'm not uh, emphasizing much on, but I would emphasize on assigned revenues. Which can, which can happen pretty much in the next two, three months. A share of stamp duties and registration charges and motor vehicle registration charges should definitely come back to the BBMP. The expenditure obligations are directly on the BBMP. So that's the third thing that I want to say. And, and, and the fourth thing I would say is there are some anomalies in, uh, in valuation. For example, hmm. while, BB, while Bangalore has done reasonably well in updating guideline values compared to other cities, uh, which are used in levying stamp duties and registration charges, the underlying guideline value that is used for property tax is not updated at the same frequency. This is a completely unnecessary uh, change. Whatever guideline value is applicable for stamp duty and registration charges, they, the same should apply in the same manner for property tax. So they unnecessarily meddle in some of these things and, uh, and you know, delay application of the latest guideline. I would also like to say that for a city, land and property is invaluable. BBMP and government of Karnataka is not doing a great job of inventorizing public lands in the city and evaluating whether they are being put to the best socio-economic use. Some of them may need to be monetized. Some of them may be used for socio-cultural purposes. Some of them may be completely used for social purposes in a completely subsidized manner. That is a political decision that needs to be made with appropriate participation. But today there is not even an inventory of that land and that land is getting encroached, that land is not being put to best use. So I think an inventory of public lands is something that can happen in the near term and, uh, uh, and a transparent evaluation of that land. I'll give you an example. The, about, about 10 years ago, there was a parliamentary standing committee report which mentioned that the Ministry of Defense is holding 5,000 acres of excess land just in Bangalore. So we know that Bangalore is historically a cantonment town. 
and they have cantonment areas in different parts of uh, parts of the city uh, it could be near alsur it could be near uh, you know the old airport road kormangla ijipura area some of them in iblur there could be other places as well but the ministry of defense by its own estimate is holding 5000 acres of excess land what does this mean they estimated a certain land requirements for their needs and they have 5000 acres in excess of that shouldn't the government of karnataka be negotiating on this and give this land back to its citizens yes there is fear i have heard this from multiple citizens saying that if this land goes away from defense they won't be green that land sharks would come and take away that land right that there would be suboptimal usage of the land but that i would say is not a good enough reason we have to put in place checks and balances and ensure that this land is given back to the city for appropriate usage imagine the imagine what 5000 acres of land can do in bangalore right for for its current uh, rate of growth yeah. it could be a, it could be a new kaban park it could be a new lal bag uh, or it could be other ways of raising revenues and so on so these would be some of the measures i would say that we should undertake uh, fairly uh, immediately one of the biggest uh, economies in the state is the jobs it creates right you have said that the gst collections is one thing they should look at and that's a beautiful suggestion as to why not use that and there's a lot of gst being collected income is another thing that we do generate right i mean did or let's just say jobs uh, uh, that that we create some of it translates into gst some of it is this direct uh, taxes that we pay to the government and that usually currently just comes back along with everything else as a part of the state finance commission um there is this uh, sfc which has been playing truant uh, quite a bit and there has been this uh, these new things that they have not been trying to give back to the city before you answer that question i also want to now increasingly thinking of the city as bbmp and all the services being rendered by so many of these corporations which are financed nicely because they at least have a cleaner uh, balance sheet to be able to raise certain other finances from outside you know commercial borrowings the bbmp is now left only with the roads and drains and whatever else right with that and using the property tax it's increasingly what is the mayor going to even do when he comes in everything is being run by the state government directly through all the parastel even the waste is gone so that's the only other contracts the the mlas guys would pick up and that is now being professionalized not that it will not go there but at least they have lesser of a chance to do so much of these things well i think the next thing is to, if even if the roads and drains goes to a corporation then what is bbmp left with it's a shell it's at the end of the day what are we trying to fix here and you talked about decentralization right i mean one is first make the bbmp do a proper pnl for itself earnings versus things you know this i mean there will never be not a grant component but what is your idea of decentralizing even further because i know while the while you guys have worked on ward based budgeting and i want you to tell a little bit about what is that it's one step further from bbmp which itself doesn't have the money uh, how is that going to work and mostly i think your ward budgeting is expense driven what is the scope for even apportioning revenue i know revenue is at a zonal level right now i think um, but you can correct me if i'm wrong but can there be ward level competitiveness in uh, revenues as well so there are basically three questions in that but you can pick in which way you want to answer them sure i want to first say something which which could be surprising which is in my estimate over the last 5 years with the exception of the bmrc i would argue that the bbmp is better governed financially than the bwssp or the bp so your point is right that we are creating a slew of parastatals but because the bbmp has an elected wing because the bbmp is required by law to publish their budget in a time bound not that they haven't violated it in the past but these things you know how in a democracy these things have a way to self correct over a period of time and that has happened in the bbmp so a combination of these factors has resulted in the bbmp cleaning up its act until the recent news report which really surprised me which says that the bbmp is spending bills of close to 6000 crores i don't know where that number comes from i don't think that number is accurate but we should wait and see until that came over a, you would remember that at one point in time bbmp had both loans to banks and pending bills of 2000 crores plus each they were neck deep in debt and they have corrected that over a period of time over the last 5 to 7 years 
yeah. But the BDA and BWSSB have seen no such transformation in their finances. The BMTC has, in fact, worsened. The BMTC at one point was a poster child of uh, good sound financial management and profitability and so on. And they've actually significantly worse. So this tells us that a city institution which has an elected wing, wing does self-correct. That's really, that's really the DNA of democracy. Whereas the more distant these institutions are from the people, you know, if they are closer to politicians, they are closer to people, however bad those politicians may be uh, in our reckoning. But because these other city institutions don't have political oversight and accountability, we don't even know what's going on in those organizations. BMTC at one point, I remember when I joined the sector a decade ago, we could see the monthly PNL of BMTC on their website. It's no longer that good. Their disclosures, their public disclosures have worsened over a period of time, right? which means they were subject to the administrative discretion and leadership of a few handful of people. And when they moved on, these good practices have stopped. So the BDAs, the BMTCs, and the BWSSBs financial governance is worse than the BBMP, whereas they should ideally have been better. Because in the, in the first place, why did you create these institutions? The argument was that if you create a parastatal agency, that is likely to be more accountable because it would be less political. But we're seeing the reverse happening. And at one point, you'll be surprised, Satya, when the, the, BB, the, the lack of coordination is actually impacting you and I. The BBMP had loans of 2000 crores on which it was paying interest of 10 to 12%. This was maybe five, six years ago. The BDA at the same time had cash surplus of 500 to 800 crores, which was earning and they were in short term deposits with banks earning 4%. Can you imagine? It's a direct loss of 8% on 800 crores of money to the taxpayer of Bangalore, to the citizen of Bangalore. So the, the, the level of dysfunction in financial governance, not just because of deliberate intent, at least deliberate intent can be discovered and you can ring fence it and you can work around it. But when this happens because of, because of uh, atrophy in governance, because that's what fragmentation does. Nobody has a full picture. Nobody even realizes this is the level of dysfunction. This is what happens. There is leakage. You're putting a lot of money through pipelines which are leaking and the bucket is also leaking. And this leaking is not just rent seeking. This leaking is atrophy. This, this leak shows, you know, uh, very poor systems and processes for financial governance. So, so I, so I certainly believe that there is a need for greater accountability of the other institutions. Remember that the BDA has very little obligation, expenditure yeah. obligations, and they were, they're sitting on large land banks. They, and they make, they have the scope to make a lot of money because they also do a little bit of, uh, housing, uh, they do plotted development and so mm. on. So, uh, we need greater accountability over that. Similarly, even BWSSB and BMTC have substantial land banks uh, for their sewage treatment plants, for their water treatment plants, for their bus terminals and so on. And they're not being used well at all. Uh, and these organizations are, unlike the BBMP, which is a government, these, some of these organizations are incorporated as companies under the Companies Act. Yeah. And some of them, like BDA, have direct oversight of the CAG. The CAG publishes their audit report and so on. But, but yet they've been terrible. Uh, I can't, in fact, we're just coming out with a study hmm. uh, on 21-22, also looking at BDA, BMTC, etc. And I can't tell you the difficulty we went through in uh, just getting financial information from these entities. It was easier to get financial information from the BBMP. At one point, you would remember, the BBMP was publishing until very recently. Every single payment made by the BBMP could be looked up on their website. Mm. So they, they don't have any hesitation in publishing that kind of uh, information. Whereas with the other entities, uh, which we uh, which we think will be better governed because they are less political, are not even publishing their budgets and their audited annual accounts on time. So it's a uh, it's a terrible state of affairs with those other entities. So uh, uh, I, I think it requires it requires a cleanup, uh, and we don't have to rely on the larger decentralization question to be answered. Even these entities are accountable to the citizens of Bangalore irrespective of whether there is, you know, unified governance or not, it certainly is uh, desirable and something that we should work. So that is one part of the response. The, 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 second, the, the, the second point I want to say is, yes, it's very important for us to rejuvenate, uh, revive state finance commissions. Throughout India, they are dysfunctional. Again, in the next three or four months, we are publishing a landscape study on state finance commissions across India. And we find that they are, they are largely dysfunctional. Uh, uh, I don't want to prejudge the findings of the study, but my own hunch is that Kerala and Tamil Nadu may be, may be relatively better, but even that I doubt 
uh, is up to the standards to which they were imagined under the 74th Constitution. Even as we work on the track of reviving state finance commission, we need to be we need to be aware of the political economy uh, signs, right? The same factors which are inhibiting political and administrative decentralization will also inhibit the revival of state finance commissions because it takes away discretion from the political system. And mm. this is not going to be an easy battle for us to win. So even as we take, uh, undertake thought leadership, even as we undertake uh, the hard route of policy advocacy for reviving state finance commissions as a means to predictable fiscal transfers to our cities, we also have to look at engaging directly with state governments for reforms and not just rely on the state finance commission route. Yeah. And this, in my view, this is likely to be more expedient in the short to medium term. And -hmm. we are beginning to see how state governments are willing to undertake these measures if they are able to gain better visibility over where their money is going. Remember that the people in the state government are releasing money to the BBMP under Nagarotra grants or by whatever other name called because they want political mileage out. They will get political mileage out of it if they are able to deliver something to the people, hard infrastructure or service delivery. And today there is no visibility. Even they themselves don't have visibility over where the money is going, what is getting done with it. Therefore, a a good carrot for us to use with state governments, and we are seeing this happen in other state governments, is to say, we will help you put in place grants, dashboards and other public finance systems, which gives you visibility over where the visibility on the journey of the rupee from inception to citizen outcome right if you offer them that if you offer them that uh, service or that piece of information as part of a partnership that we strike with them then they are likely to get motivated to undertaking some of these reforms progressively where you tie it to performance you tie it to accountability right and you clean up the uh, the mechanism by which cash is going to the bbmp and so on uh, similarly if you work with the state government to rationalize the treasury management system of the city institutions at one point of time, there were regular news reports that said BBMP had 600 bank accounts, BBMP had 900 bank accounts and so on. I know that they, over the last few years, they've rationalized them. Now, think about it, right? One of our co-founders used to say that the municipal accounts are among the simplest globally. The, the world's largest corporations operate in more than 100 geographies, in 100 different time zones, with 100 different currencies in 100 different regulatory jurisdictions. But yet they are able to publish their accounts within a month or two months of the financial year close. Here is an organization that works in a single time zone, in a single city, in a single currency, without any such complications, same regulatory jurisdiction. So this is not rocket science. And the, and, and the irony here is you have some of the world's largest uh, delivery centers based in Bangalore, which are filing tax returns and financial reports for some of the world's largest companies. So the expertise exists within the city just a few kilometers away from the BBM. This is a solvable problem. If we partner with the state government and offer them this visibility, I think I think the uh, uh, the penny will drop. So I think that to me is an easier route than the State Finance Commission. For mm. Not for a moment am I suggesting that we give up on the advocacy for State Finance Commission. All I'm saying is we should wait for that to fructify before we undertake other measures. That's the second thing I want to say. On your third question of... Uh, Zonal versus uh, ward level. It's, it's, Hmm. see, going back to property tax, I'd say we are overemphasizing on property tax. Our, our hypothesis based on, based on looking at numbers of about 1000 municipalities in India and then prorating them to the remaining 4000, remaining 3700 suggests that the total property tax collections per annum in India is unlikely to be higher than 25,000 crores, which is a such a small number. In comparison, in comparison, the total outlay of Amrit scheme is 287,000 crores over five years. The total grants under Union Finance Commission for our municipalities is 1,20,000 crores over five years. So the property tax collections per annum is a, is a drop in the ocean and we are overemphasizing on it. Mm. And if you factor in the salary costs and the effort of property tax collectors and the, the administrative system that is working uh, behind property tax, you know, I don't know what the results will be. Maybe we are losing more money at the end of it. We don't know, right? Or the upside is the incremental upside is actually very limited. Therefore, I would say that 
even as we try and strengthen the property tax system and property tax also has a lot of trust element to it it's a globally it's a very hard tax to administer unless you link it to property tax databases and you and you kind of move away from this uh, from the from the physicality of property tax and and from the discretion that comes with saying have you added another 100 square feet have you extended your balcony have you converted your land use from uh, residential to commercial etc uh, until until you use geospatial technology and you integrate efforts between entities, uh, the power company, the stamp duties and registration uh, department, etc. I don't think it's very easy to administer property tax. And think about the complexity of people who are uh, who are asset rich but income poor, right? And we see a lot of them in uh, in Bangalore because the settled the old settled areas of Bangalore, which will have a lot of large homes, which are independent bungalows. Like if you think about 100 feet road in Indranagar, with which with which I'm a bit familiar. Earlier, you had many, many individual bungalows. And you had perhaps retired defense officials, retired government officials, or other senior citizens living there. They are asset rich because those properties are of a very high value, but their income levels may not be commensurate with significant increases in property tax. Right? Now you gotta now it is it, you know, it, it BBMP or the government of Karnataka may be valid in arguing that. You should have systems which incentivize people there to monetize their land and, you know, relocate to other parts of the city and so on. That's a reasonable argument from a public policy standpoint, but it is up to the individual concern. It's an individual choice of the individual, right? Now, for that, you've got to build trust. Citizens need to trust the government to say that I'm willing to undertake this. I'm willing to undertake this kind of an exchange, right? I'm willing to monetize my property and relocate or... You know, I trust the government to do the right thing with me. So these things take time. It's not easy. Therefore, I wouldn't overemphasize on property tax. One of the challenges with, uh, one of the ways in which I think governments, you know, mislead or, uh, you know, take civil society down the wrong path is civil society starts working on what already exists and stops seeing possibilities that exist outside of it. So property tax happens to be the largest revenue. So you think it will continue to be the largest revenue provider and you keep focusing on, so it's almost like a storm in a teacup. Uh, whereas the upside that you would get from GST or from re-architecting fiscal decentralization is likely to be much higher in value. And they are buoyant sources of revenue. Imagine if you peg Bangalore's finances to GST, to motor vehicle registration charges, to stamp duties and registration charges, etc. And eventually, perhaps even to income tax levels through the Union Finance Commission route, then the upside is likely to be much higher. That's what we want. Right? So even as you work on property tax, you should look at alternatives. Therefore, Yes, something like property tax can be measured at a ward level and can be measured quite easily as a ward level and there can be radical transparency around it. But we also have to think about the ROI on our efforts in doing that, both within government and in civil society. No, I think that's a valid point because this is what I've been chasing quite for quite some time is that there are so many things other than just property that's going on. We end up speaking about it a lot more, but the economy is more than just the property and the built form, right? And now uh, the the money from the motor vehicle uh, taxes i think is already going into the dult's uh, sutf the state urban transport fund a small cess out of it and that is the corpus that they are using to build out all the footpaths and cycle lanes and many other things that they are already building the sutf is quite a good cor corpus but it's not it's not directly going into bbmp but i think through uh, dult it is being used but there is a beyond motor vehicle the parking charges that's a huge thing that I've not that has not picked up. So let's think about all these other things, right? And and the city creates a lot of uh, jobs, and there are people going around. So GST is a big source because there is consumption happening there. Uh, <clears throat> what are these things that uh, you think can be done? Because there is also increasing energy consumption through uh, through Bescom, and uh, water. Of course, you want to minimize it and most of these you want to like kind of keep it stable uh, and not it will definitely increase as the number of people go up because it's uh, uh, completely tied to the number of people that are going to come into the city and as the build as you have more and more people coming in you have more and more energy is there a way bbmp can tap into pescom water of course swm says was already there and now i don't know how the waste management company is going to share anything with bbmp one of the things you said was they are, of course, they are less transparently managed. They are 
even though they are set up as a corporation, they are pub- public in nature because the government holds a majority stake and they are liable for RTI disclosures as well. But that's like pulling teeth. You're supposed to put it out uh, anyway yeah. and we have to get that out, right? So how do you see this interplay? Can uh, What are these other... What is the substantive amount? Is it GST? Is it from people? Is it from... What about creating business improvement districts kind of concepts where you know you can leverage some additional things uh, can wards be sufficient in raising revenues and not necessarily let's if we ignore property for a little bit there are trade licenses being given out what are these other sources that you think if you just if you just think out of the box what could that be what could this be and how can they get something out of uh, uh, the parastatals as well even though they are now managed separately and how can they even become credit worthy to raise some commercial borrowings I, it's it's really bad even though you say they are more transparent they are less uh, credit worthy than everybody else of course because of the I don't know you are the expert here tell us how, how we can think about this that's a great point see uh, the we have to think about property based taxes property based uh, revenues rather than property tax alone. Uh, in OECD parlance and in the general global public finance discourse, property tax is not just property tax the way we think about it in Bangalore or in India. Mm-hmm. They subsume stamp duties and registration charges. They subsume other ways in which you leverage land and property to raise revenues for the city, where you're able to get a share of economic growth and development of the city for you to reinvest, to deliver services and infrastructure for citizens and to guarantee minimum quality of life to everyone, including migrants who come into the city in search of livelihoods and, uh, and better human development outcomes. The, so, so that's, we have to look at property taxes uh, or property-based taxation and revenues more uh, expensively. In my view, uh, uh, just to, at the cost of repetition, but to synthesize, the rising income levels of the city will result in greater income tax. That income tax will be part of the divisible pool of the Union Finance Commission and needs to flow back to Bangalore. One of the things that we think needs to be worked upon and beginnings have been made is to look at large metropolitan centers in India very differently uh, while thinking about devolution uh, by finance commissions. So uh, we had recommended and the Finance Commission accepted that recommendation to look at million plus cities differently. And we had suggested don't give million plus cities any free money. Don't give them any basic grants. Give them only grants which are tied to performance-based outcomes because they're all large economies. Mm. And our largest cities are comparable to some of the large economies of the world. So we recommended that you give them disproportionately large amounts of money, but which are tied to performance outcomes. Like, you know, air pollution, economic indicators, uh, uh, other environment-related indicators, equity indicators, and so on, right? So we said, or perhaps even network infrastructure indicators, right? Which signal uh, movement with respect to economic growth, equity, environment, and so on. So that's what we had recommended. They partially accepted the recommendation in uh, ensuring that million-plus cities do not get any basic grants and everything is tied to outcome indicators relating to air pollution, water supply, solid waste management, and so on. I think we need to deepen that... Uh, that uh, approach of so Bangalore should be able to lay claim to a large pot of money from the union government, but in return, Bangalore should be able to uh, commit to certain certain outcome indicators. So you should be able to commit to mobility networks, reduction in air pollution, better quality and quantity of housing for migrants in the urban poor. You should be able to guarantee a certain number of jobs and economic growth in the city, etc. So the union government is also guaranteed that I will give you large amounts of capital, you will use that capital productively, and I will also gain by it because of rising income levels and economic growth and so on. So I think that is one thing that we have to look at. And even the government of Karnataka should look at uh, look at similar models where you're able to underwrite large amounts, like, you know, give them, give them 50,000 crores of funding over, say, five years, which is 10,000 crores a year, mm-hmm. almost 100% match funding the BBMP's budget, but tie it to outcome indicators and release them as and when those indicators get met. So there's predictability in accomplishment and make that process uh, transparent. Rather than giving it to say, okay, two months ahead of the monsoon season, you will say, I'm releasing 200 crores for desilting of trains. That's not going to work. We need to take a slightly more uh, longer term view of financing the BBMP, right? That's a major, major 
shortcoming in the current uh, imagination, both political and administrative. They look at very short time horizons. They are underestimating the problems. So for 20 years, in two-month windows, you keep worrying about the problem and you make zero progress. Right? So you worry. But instead, if during those 20 years you had taken five-year windows and you took a slightly medium-term perspective of it, you would have already solved some of these challenges, frankly. Particularly things like building adequate stormwater drains. You may not have you may not have solved the entire flooding problem, but <clears throat> the problem of adequate stormwater drain networks, wherever capital infra was required, you would have solved. That's one uh, that's one piece uh, in the in the puzzle, which is give them large grants which are predictable but which are tied to performance based outcomes. The second thing is that uh, think about think you talked about business improvement districts, and I think that's absolutely the way to go which is think about how public space rejuvenation as a rising tide that lifts all boats. You referred to Tendershire uh, a little before, a project that was uh, conceived by our sister organization, Jana Urban Space Foundation, which also I uh, oversee. There was a study done by IIM Bangalore, which looked at property values on Tendershire roads and on comparable control roads. And they discovered that tender, the property values on Tendershire roads have gone up. And therefore what happens is the property tax, uh, the property tax collections of the BBMP also uh, go up and this money is available for BBMP to reinvest in other areas and in improving the state of public influence. So th this is just a small example. This was a small scale study that was done by the real estate center uh, by Venki Panchapakesan and team at uh, IIM Bank. Uh, it's a published paper. I can share it with you separately. But the same principle is at the heart of business improvement districts where you're not just looking at uh, at infrastructure works of the BBMP through the lens of short term civic service delivery. But you're looking at it through the medium to long term lens of looking at jobs and economic growth, good quality infrastructure and services all together and at once. So if you take a parcel of land and if you redevelop it uh, somewhat holistically, then you're able to achieve equity outcomes, environment outcomes, because you're able to work on walkable neighborhoods, you're able to give a network of footpaths and cycle lanes, you're able to uh, have better bus connectivity uh, through walkable footpaths and proper bus service, etc. So I think that's absolutely, absolutely the way to go. I think on this front, Satya, frankly, I think there is inadequate political and administrative imagination in that. And the civil society also, I'm afraid, is taking a fairly narrow civic grievance lens yeah. to improvement rather than taking a, uh, a more holistic systemic lens to these kind of uh, improvements. So I think the way to break the status quo in political economy is not to flog a dying horse Right? Or to flog a horse where, which is not giving you much returns, but to look at ideas like business improvement districts or opportunity zones by whatever name they are called. And I think these will pay rich dividends. And even see, frankly, we have to remember that good politicians and good bureaucrats are also victims of the system. Mm. We've, created, we've created a system that is so fragmented that there's only the chief minister and the chief secretary who is empowered to take a holistic view of a city like Bangalore. And this is true of most capital cities in India, by the way. Bangalore is not an exception. It's just a more acute example of fragmentation and of what very steep economic growth in the city can do to our cities. It's just an example of that. Many other cities are uh, are going through the same to a lower degree. So they are also victims of the fragmented system that we've created. And therefore, they need, they need to taste success. And what opportunity zones and business improvement districts do is you are able to touch and feel improvement. You're able to show and tell what reforms look like. That, that's, that, that's, why we, that, that's why we were able to get multi-party consensus on projects like Tendershaw, right? Because though there was pain in the early years when roads were dug up and utilities had to be moved under footpaths and so on, when the project was completed, people got to show and tell. They were able to touch and feel and experience the change. That's exactly what business improvement districts will do. You're able to see the physical change, you're able to make life better for citizens. Citizens are able to experience them and you're able to raise more revenues through taxation and through property values. So absolutely, that's the way to that's the way to go. And we also need an integrated view of the city's finances. See, capital, there, is, there are benefits to aggregating capital and using them, uh, you know, somewhat uh, holistically and fungible. There's no point in creating individual pools of capital. And you referred to it in the beginning, right? that you end up pulling wool over people's eyes by saying, I have money for this, I don't have money for that, etc. You're actually, uh, you know, perpetuating that even beyond this, you know, beyond the entity by keeping some pool of capital in BWSSB, some in BMTC, some in BDA, some in BBMP, some, 
and so on, right? You need to take a slightly more integrated view. I'm not saying it's easy to do this because these are all independent legal entities, right? But the government of Karnataka is empowered enough to look at ways to do this, right? And now you're saying under DALT, there is a SUTF and so on. And if what you're saying is true, I think it's a very progressive measure, but we have to be far more ambitious, right? We should look at uh, uh, many more revenue streams flowing in and this being not just with, be within DALT, but also be able to uh, 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 service BMTC and BBMP and so on. And we need professional management for this. Tamil Nadu has done some experiments on this. The National Infrastructure Investment Fund uh, under the Ministry of Finance is a, is a good example of, a, uh, of private sector management bringing in progressive uh, thinking and building a new institution within the government system and so on. So we need, we need a lot more ambition. We need a lot more imagination uh, in this. And finance, unlike, unlike land and planning, unlike municipal staffing related reforms, unlike political decentralization, and unlike citizen participation, finance is a language that everybody understands. Politicians understand the language of money. Uh, bureaucrats understand it. Contractors understand it. Private sector understands it. Citizens understand it. Because it's finite. It's measurable. And therefore, the reforms in finance systems can happen much quicker than the other areas of governance. Uh, th that leads me to the final thoughts around when you said citizens understand it. They do understand that it is easy to measure and the numbers will, won't lie if you put it out there. There is no subjectivity in the numbers. But at the end of the day, being able to conceptualize, you also said civil society is unable to think beyond uh, property taxes because that's what they've been hearing. There, there is a need for conversations around that. And at what level do these conversations matter? Because I've been a fan of saying, why does the BPM, because the bills that we submit here in the local ward office have to go back to Hudson Circuit to get approved. And you don't know if it's going to, you know, uh, the, the further away you are from Hudson Circle, it appears to be that you have a lesser chance of getting the money to fund your project. And that also depends on your elected representative going and camping there and move the files, as they call it. What do you see as the future of ward level ability to decide exactly these things beyond property, looking at business improvement district for my ward here? And being able to not just budget the expense for my ward, but also be able to think about the revenues that we are generating in this ward. Because I know that the revenue thing, I remember reading about it somewhere, is that it's only at a zonal officer who is able to just, uh, aggregate any kind of uh, revenue figures for his ward. And again, it's all going back to the head office. Is there value in a ward being self-sufficient in raising revenues, budgeting expenditures, thinking about all these I know the structure currently doesn't permit any of these things, but you have been working on ward budgeting and trying to make this. Is there is there anything you see at the ward level? What do you see as the future of the ward level? And what could it be? It doesn't have to be under... Maybe if it is compelling enough, we go and say, this is what we want to happen. How do we enable this in the... Uh... See, I see this as a long-term agenda and not a short to medium-term agenda. So Fair enough. Even as we are committed to being advocates of this and kind of working on the thought leadership around this area. But my guesstimate is this is going to be a medium to long-term agenda and not, a, not even a short to medium term agenda. The reason I'm saying this is the city itself today is not a unit of governance or of economy. Yeah. Right. Most measures of financial and economic performance are not even available at a city level. And we just spoke about it. The, the fact that they are fragmented and there is no integrated uh, reporting mechanism. I do see a lot of value in ward level and at the heart of this problem of fragmentation is we don't think about the city as a place and as a people. We think in India, we think about the city as an aggregation of services, mm. right? The, who is the prime minister of the country? The prime minister of the country is a senior most political executive governing the place called the country. All other sectoral heads report to the prime minister. Similar with the state, the chief minister's governance unit is a place and the people living in that place. It is not a sector. The state chief minister does not report to the minister of water. It's the reverse. But in the city, it's not the same. And India is a laggard in this globally. Philippines, Indonesia, South Africa, Brazil, Mexico, even pure economies. I'm deliberately not taking uh, examples of advanced economies. All of these countries, either constitutionally, in the case of countries which had the benefit of redoing their constitution after military rule or apartheid, etc., or other countries statutorily, have managed to treat their cities of units of governance and economy. So for them, the place supersedes sectors. 
But in Bangalore and other Indian cities, that's not the case. The state government views the city as an aggregation of services and infrastructure. Right? That lies at the heart of the problem. And that problem will again manifest itself even at a water level. So unless we solve the problem at the city level, it is not possible for you to solve that problem. Because the ward is even a smaller unit of a place. I think. But, but it's very much necessary. And you have to look at it both as, to take a cliched example, some of the examples that you said, why should a bill get presented at the ward level and travel all the way to Hudson Circle and come back, etc. are easily solvable problems. Parts of the Indian government are already solving it. And that's a public finance uh, problem that can be solved, which is a supply side measure saying, and the current fracas that is happening over contractor bills and payments, etc. is completely mm. avoidable. Using simple technology and using simple reforms in public finance policies, it's easily possible to solve this problem. And there are states in India, there are sections within the union government which have already solved it. So this is unforgi unforgivable for BBMP in 2023 to be discussing fake bills, fake contracts, payments, etc. is laughable. So there is no excuse for this. This problem has to be solved, right? And it can be solved. There are organizations sitting in Bangalore, Janagraha being one, but there are others like e-governments foundation, which are doing this pan India, putting in place cutting edge public finance systems, right? So that this is inexcusable. It has to be solved immediately and it can be solved. The, the piece on ward level. And so that's on the supply side. So on the supply side, things like transparency in tendering, contracting, project management, payments, ensuring that reconciliations happen, payments happen on time, there's budgets, audited accounts get published, etc. are one part, of the, uh, one part of the equation. The other side of the equation, which is very important to build trust with citizens, even business improvement districts, even opportunity zones, all of them can work if you're able to do a partnership with citizens. Because you're going to be, you're going to be redeveloping large parcels of land and that's going to inconvenience people. They are going to protest. And you have, to, you have to build trust in them that at the end of it, they will gain, they will benefit, right? They will reap the fruits of hardships that they are experiencing. For, for that, how do you build trust with citizens? I think transparency is a very sensible way to build trust with citizens. And today I know for the fact that it, it, it was eye-opening for us that in my view, the inhibitor to transparency is not really a fear that some things that should not come out will come out. Because anyway, a lot of the rent-seeking happens uh, not on the books. It happens in the contracting world, etc. Right. So there is actually no major resistance to publishing information, right? But they don't see the benefits of it. They don't see the value of publishing information and the, the benefits that it, that it gives in the form of increased trust with citizens. They're not able to see it immediately. And we, we've seen this very closely, Satya, in Janagraha, where when you call the elected councillor, ward level official and citizens for a meeting, the, the, the government folks bureaucrats and uh, elected representatives are very scared of whether they'll be thrown on the mat. So they will always ask you, what will be the format of the meeting? Who all yeah. are attending? What will be the questions that are asked, etc.? Because the, the general, uh, in Bangalore particularly, what plays out is, and, and rightfully on behalf yeah. of citizens, the citizens will take them to task. But yeah. if you're able to curate these meetings in a manner in which it is information that lubricates the meeting and people speak to a set agenda, then it is possible to start the trust building process, right? But I, I guess both in civil society and in governments, I don't think we are taking participatory processes seriously enough. Mm. It is not just about notifying a what committee. It is about how exactly will the what committee happen? What information will you provide to citizens? Who will chair the what committee? When will you publish the agenda? How much notice will you give? Where will you hold this meeting, right? How will you manage time? Who all get to speak? These nuances really matter in the trust building process. And like you mentioned, information is a very important ingredient in building this trust uh, on both sides, because citizens will discover that everything is not hunky-dory on the government side. It's not that they have all the money in the world and therefore whatever they want will get done. But citizens will empathize and they will understand, but you have to involve them in the prioritization process. Mm -hmm. Similarly, governments will start understanding that if they publish all the, in fact, many times when we've held WhatsApps in the past, and we put out ward level information and we brought together ward level officials. Elected representatives said we've ne we never knew that this is the amount of money that's available in Bangalore. We never knew that these are all the works that are happening in Bangalore. In sometimes they even said we never knew these are all the officials servicing our right. So, <laughs> so, so there is merit in demand side uh, processes being strengthened. But currently, I must tell you, uh, there is this. There is this tension that is there uh, uh, between civil society and government, uh, 
where this trust building is is not happening. And I think it is information that can act as a lubricant. If you put out financial information and projects information, and if you curate the meeting carefully, I think this trust, trust building process will happen. And for that, you do need ward level information. And I would even argue for sub ward information because the wards in Bangalore are becoming more like medium sized towns in Europe and US. In US, you have cities with 5,000 people. In Bangalore, we have wards with 50,000 people. So we need even a sub ward level conception with geospatial technology. It is possible to arrive at that information. You may not be able to do a ward balance sheet and ward PNL. But you certainly can provide ward level project information, ward level revenue information, property tax, etc. That's definitely possible. It's doable. The ROI on this is very high. So if that, a few of us come together, we can crack this for Bangalore. I think on that wonderful positive note uh, that we can crack this for Bangalore if we come together, I think we do need to come together and see how we can look at the finance. We're always talking about the power angle. We never talk about the money angle. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a topic that needs to be more widely engaged with, like you said. And uh, the transparency piece is, I think it's a chicken and egg. They need to start. Even today, we are kind of uh, fighting. Why can't you just put out what you have so we can see and we can come back? I think efforts are being made. Like you said, BBMP has been pilloried quite a bit. It's time to also get the parastatals to do some of the work. And see, they also put it out and see all of these in conjunction and build the dashboard you're talking about. There's a lot of work to be done in this area. And I'd like to thank you for coming on the show, Shikhan, sparing your time and uh, enlightening us on all of all of these uh, issues. Um, <clears throat> because it's very important for us to talk finance. And I'll try and see if we can unpack a few of these more. And if you have some more time, let's talk about one or two of these specifically and deep dive into it and, and see how we can come up with something that is actionable on the ground and people can take it up. On this note, I'd like to remind viewers to like, subscribe and share and see you all next week. Bye-bye.